All right, everybody. Here we are. Uh, Shook Me the Mooney, episode 47. Saturday, April 10th, 2021. Uh, I'm hanging out here with Shug. Shug, how you feeling? Good, man. Um, got my Latino Heat shirt. I think Bob Bunny is wrestling tonight. So, Bob Bunny, Sasha Banks, all people who love the great, the late, great Eddie Guerrero. So, I'm showing off for him tonight. Tomorrow, I'll be wearing my Roman Reigns shirt and enjoying this WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, it's uh, it's night one. They broke it up. They started doing that last year. Mm-hmm. So night one is tonight. Sasha Bank been. is actually. They yeah, I know. Uh, is, I think last year they did it kind of out of like. Yeah. Convenience. Um, I mean, not even out of convenience. Necessity. Out of necessity. necessity. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Where, yeah, but, uh, but people have been asking for it for a while. Like, I remember how like New York Post articles sent like the year before when you went. Um, 2019. Yeah, when I was in, in New Jersey. This that, one was, like, uh, yeah, it was like, why, why don't they just have it like over the span of three days? Like, you know, basically like a wrestling all star weekend. And it makes more sense. You get more matches. And this week they actually did it even more because it was like basically like a WrestleMania week. Um, mm-hmm. they had like a WrestleMania NXT, NXT, then a WrestleMania SmackDown, and another WrestleMania NXT. It was like that was also like a two night mm-hmm. thing and takeover. Yeah, and then last night was like WrestleMania SmackDown, and then tonight's night one, tomorrow's night two. Yeah, basically, uh, and it, it, it was Monday, and then you had Raw, then you had you had the Hall of Fame. They oh, had yeah, a Hall of Fame was thing. thing. That, yeah, was, that Tuesday. was Tuesday. Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, and NXT SmackDown last night. Today is night one, night two, and then Monday and Tuesday. No, Monday is Raw, and then yeah, and uh, Raw. Then, and then, Tuesday is the first NXT Tuesday. Yeah, so they, that's freaking like 10 days. But yeah, but Japan has been doing that for a long time, like night one, night two. And, you know, it kind of influenced the indie scenes, uh, like ROH and all that. They started doing that like two nights. Uh, AEW started doing that too, where they, they record like two, they film two episodes and then they'll like, they'll do like Bash at the Beach night one. And then the next week is night two, give a guy a break. They, they're off for a whole week. So it's kind of like, a, it's a good thing for the yeah, talent and, if, and it's good for us, you know? And if it's WrestleMania, I, like, you know, anything else that's a mania, it's like a big old like festival. Like mm-hmm. WrestleMania should be like, I guess all be, WrestleMania when everything is, you know, when normalcy returns, like it should be like the Coachella of wrestling, I think. Like WrestleMania, SummerSlam, like I've been saying for years, like SummerSlam should should be in like an outdoor stadium and make it like the WrestleMania summer. Like they've done that with um with the with Royal Rumble, like the Royal Rumble the last two years and actually three years kind of out of necessity again because they've been doing it out of um Tropicana Field with a raise play, like they've been having it in baseball stadiums. So, you know, if it, I, I'd assume after like a year of no fans, like that's something like WWE could look into, like just making it a lot more of like a, a bigger um, festival type of thing and the actual event kind of being the, you know, main thing, like Summer Jam. Exactly. Uh, and you know how SummerSlam used to always be, um, in Brooklyn, like mm-hmm. they would always have the Barclays Center. Hey, maybe uh, when they go back to uh, more uh, touring schedule, they'll do it at Yankee Stadium. How great would that be? Nah, you know, like well, they or usually City field, or City Field. They usually you know? don't because of like the 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 planet. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, true yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's harder to do it during the summer. Mm-hmm, that makes sense. Yeah, 
especially when also you got to remember like Yankee Stadium they have um NYC soccer FC, yeah mm-hmm. um yeah. when the Yankees aren't playing um certain times and then City Field like I think they have like a you know their own type of schedule going on but mm-hmm. you know yeah there, I mean, there is a lot can. more different venues you got um MetLife as usual is in, mm-hmm. in use a lot um the stadium where the Red Bulls play, Red Bull Arena. Sea Caucus. That's like right down the road from MetLife. Yeah. So same yeah. same rail station. Uh yeah, but we were saying the whole the whole festival thing. This is the thing I'll say about that. So for many years, I think for the last like five, ten years, um, especially in the last five years, uh, all the other promotions and uh like you know, you have like AEW. AEW has not or will not do anything on WrestleMania weekend, they said, but all their talent are allowed to uh, work with other promotions. So, like the one I went to it, when it was in New York two years ago. Oh man, it was it was insane. Like the whole it, from Wednesday, you know, I took off like my vacation was was two years ago in April. I took off like four days. Remember that? And people had to work for me and stuff. It was like a big thing. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry, man, but it was a necessity, man. And so, like Wednesday night, I went to a show. Thursday night, I went to a show. Um, Friday morning, I went to a show. Saturday, I went to like three shows. This, that's where like I went to this uh, a uh, autograph thing. It was like in uh, the Marriott on uh, like Sixth Avenue. Everywhere I looked, it was like you know, Eric Bischoff, like 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 looking for. I looked through his phone, and I had to hold the door open for me. He was like, "Oh, good, thank you, man." But that, like, because it wasn't like a weird thing where like they didn't want to be seen. It was like just like, a weird casual thing, and I was like, "This is cool." And this is where I got this from. This was like the, their autograph thing. I didn't spend any money. Because back then I didn't really care. I just wanted to like you know walk around and like see all these people. Uh, I got a I got a a smug smile from Scott Steiner because I was like, hey man, what's up? Got his autograph and he was just like, you know, see you later. <laughs> but you know, it was like one of those. I'm not one of those guys now. I'm one of those guys now. I go to these autograph things, but back then you know, that was like not not my thing. But yeah, so they they piggyback off of the WrestleMania, and of course, um, Florida is very lax. They've always been lax. So there's been events, live events all week. Uh, I saw this thing. It was like. I didn't go to it in 2019, but they have like wrestling event, uh, matches like at 2:30 in the morning. In uh, uh, what's that place starts with a B in uh, uh in Jersey? Bay- Bayonne, like they had matches in oh, Bayonne at like 2:30 in the morning out in the field. They had um, I watched it was really good. Uh, the Impact Champion and Two Cold Scorpio, who if you know he was in WCW in the early 90s. He's one of the first ECW guys. He's like in his mid 50s and he was doing like all these crazy flips still. Uh, it was fun to watch because it was like two thirty in the morning. I was like, "What? The, oh, they, someone was like streaming it." But yeah, it's, it's it's a fun time, and hopefully, it's all like three years from now they'll probably be back in New York, and by then, hey, maybe we'll I'll still be into this and we'll go or something. Like that, but it's a long time down the road. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but also, um, guys, if you guys watched uh, episode uh, forty-five, we discussed. Uh, Shook wanted to talk about this new series uh, called Femme, right? With created by the creator. Yeah, Lena Lena Waithe. Okay, so uh, earlier today, uh, Shug sent me an article from the Los Angeles Times. And basically, it was the uh, same thing that Shug was saying, right? What did, uh, I'll read the article. While much of the menace in them comes from things that go bump in the night, the most shocking horror lies in its more realistic scenes of racist violence, which are arguably more disturbing than the vivid images in its recent predecessors. The mayhem gains momentum in the fifth episode which depicts the murder of a black infant while his mother is raped and continues in a later episode with the blinding of a black couple with hot pokers and a white mob 
then burning them to death. Okay, so in episode five, Shug, you were saying that this was uh, glorification. It was like a kind of like a, what was like a porno for racist? And you said this You said this two weeks ago? I told you. I told yeah. you. I told you. I told you. Like Craig Toys died, he was about to get his eyes bit by a dog. I told you. I told you. Yeah, that's why you guys got to hop on the show, man. Because he's a, a soothsayer. He see, he sees it down the road. Before uh, and let's, know. let's say it all together. Shug, Shug knew. Shug knew is the new thing. It's been going on. This isn't the first time, though. You can go back. This is episode 47. You can go back many, plenty of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, LA Times, they're always up on this stuff. But maybe uh, Shug should get a freelance job with them and you can give them the scoop before they even know. What's up, man? Me, me, and you. If I go, you go. That's how it goes. But we got it. But that's what. We, yeah, but we got we got a good show this week. Yeah. So we have uh, we have three topics today. Um, we're gonna end with a kind of a fun thing that we always watch. Tw- we always watch what's going on, on Twitter, and just from a tweet, we see like a lot of responses, and we decide, hey, let's give our own take on it. Uh, so we saw uh, Shug sent me a tweet. Uh, basically, it was uh, this gentleman, a uh, nice looking gentleman. He wanted everyone to get on the same page and hey, let's normalize uh, friendship dates with the opposite sex. And it's like pretty much like professional photography, and they're all like, you know, having a great time. But of course, right away, the comments are you simp, like back and forth, you know, like some people are like, oh, you know, like, we'll get into it. But it's basically like, again, like anything on Twitter, it's always. Right, that like split, and then there'll be a couple of people like where I'm like, hey, I see both sides, and then they'll they'll go towards a person who's like in the in the middle. Um, so we're gonna have our uh, thoughts on that. Also, the personal side, it's a big thing in this in the last few weeks. Everyone's uh, more and more uh, having the ability to get uh, vaccinated for COVID nineteen, uh, especially in where we are right now in New York State. Um, I know most of the people I know have been vaccinated. Shog is one of them now. He's gonna give his personal experience on it, yeah, and which is good because I'm probably getting mine. I think mine's in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm always late to the party, but I'm excited to hear his point of view on it because no one else. I haven't really asked anyone else about it. And then another thing, it's worldwide, but it's also local to us. Um, we lost uh, Earl Simmons, aka DMX, aka Darkman X. Uh, last week, uh, I texted Chuck. I was like, "Oh man, did you hear?" And it was the news about uh, DMX being in the hospital, and if you know, we didn't. People were didn't know what was going on. Uh, you know, the family didn't want things out. Um, but yesterday, Friday, the the official the official declared that he passed away. So, me and Sherry are going to talk about that to open up episode forty-seven. All right. So uh, April 9th, twenty twenty-one, uh, the official announcement came out that uh, DMX, aka Earl Simmons. I passed away at the age of 50. Uh, so me and Sherry are going to talk about that uh, uh, today. Yeah. Like the night before uh, you did, you 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 hit me up and was asking me about it. And I was like, nah, I don't want to talk about it because he still was, you know, in the hospital. And I was just hoping, I'm wishing that he pulled through. And obviously there was like a false alarm like the night before. But his his um manager Steve Rifkin came out and put out a statement. But you could also see visually that he was kind of like torn up too, and he was just saying, you know, like it's kind of like 
you know, disrespectful to the family for, you know, you guys to put that information out. And I think what was happening was that the family was probably coming to the, the grips that they would have to take them off life support. And, you know, they were saying their last goodbyes. And I think that's why, you know, he did, he didn't want people to just put that out there and start sending stuff while his family is still, you know, you know, even though it's, it's obvious, like Breathing. they had to let him go. Yeah. Like they had to let him go. He was still there for that time. And he was still like, you know, Give, you know, saying their goodbyes and stuff like that. So that's why, like, I didn't want to say anything that night. And I, I also was hoping that he would, you know, bounce back and tear shit up, you know, one more time that, you know, he, he would have had another life, but might go on. Yeah, but not even performing. We didn't want, he doesn't have to, he didn't have to perform his words. You know, he read, wrote a book because we'll talk about it. You know, his, the words, the words of wisdom, if, if you read the actual lyrics, just as like in like in a poem form. Uh, but also like the family coming in, it's um, they're at the hospital and there was sort of like a vigil. There's like fans out there. If you let that know, if you let like the media know, it's surrounded by trucks, surrounded by media personnel and family that were not, not there yet. They can't get in, you know, they wouldn't be able to get in there, you know? So, uh, cause even, uh, even not even the hospital, me driving around the area around here, uh, I was going somewhere, uh, on the side in the, the his where he where he grew up and like a lot of the corners had like vigils for him already they had like uh murals already painted up just like not murals but just like posters and everything uh so that's been on my mind throughout the whole week and obviously uh we're talking about it today because uh he's it's it's a he's he's gone but yeah he's 50 years old uh his prime was a great time in music uh late 90s early 2000s was like a big time uh a lot of the music reminds me, you know, it's like nostalgia. It reminds me of like my childhood and stuff. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, he had a lot of issues like going like decades and everything the last couple of years. But Shag, let's talk about uh, our own personal experiences with uh, his music. Mm-hmm. When was the first time you heard him? Yeah, so, you know, we, we both are here from the New York area. Um, Earl Simmons was born in Mount, Ver- Mount Vernon and grew up in um, Yonkers. And for the people who aren't familiar with the New York City area, like the Bronx or, you know, northern part of the Bronx, Yonkers, Mount Vernon, like we're basically all like, you know, family. We're basically like cousin. We, we you know, all three areas are like one and the same. Um, it's just, you know, Yonkers and, um, Mount Vernon are in Westchester County and Bronx, of course, is in New York City. Um, but I actually was introduced to him back in the Virgin Islands, um, when I was like seven or eight years old. Uh, my neighbor, who was also like my best friend, she came over and we used to always listen to music and all of these people are like popped on the scene. Um, Juvenile and Cash Money, DMX and the Rough Riders. Um, all of these people, we would listen to that music like together. And, you know, I was like so inspired by him because like he just seemed cool as hell, cool as hell. And like, he kind of reminded me of like Pac. And I used to like tie my bandana like DMX did. 
and a lot of people will confuse it with like how Ja Rule and Tupac with Tide Durag, I mean, Tide Bandana. But like DMX, he taught his different. I used to tie my, my, my bandana just like him. Um, and I just, the, the one thing I always remember is like when she played um, one of his albums, I can't remember if it was, um, uh, uh, what is it? Hell is dark and uh, uh, the first album is uh, it's dark and hell is hot. Yeah, I can't remember if it, if it was that album, his second album, but she just played a song. I, and to say it's a song is kind of dumb. She just played like a, a track where it was just him like praying and like talking mm-hmm. to God, and it, it just blew my it, it blew my mind because I was like I've never heard this in rap, and it's like it's kind of like a weird um variety like as far as it's like album was concerned because like it's like you know 13 tracks of him talking about like some some hood shit some hood gangster shit and then like the 14th track is him like god i love you so much how can you make me be a better man and it's just like the one thing, and this is every like album of his was like that. Like it had one or two songs where it was just him praying, or it was a song dedicated to like his faith. And he was just one of them people that just inspired me because like he it, it, it inspired me to learn that like everybody has a different relationship with God. And everybody thinks like being a Christian. I mean, we covered a little, we talked about it a little bit last week with the little Nas X stuff, where it's like, all right, just because you don't go. To church every Sunday doesn't mean like you're not a Christian. Um, a lot of people like instantly think that like to be a Christian, you're supposed to be like a goody two shoes and you know be like judgmental and you know always be clutching your pearls. But DMX was like the first person I showed me that you can have a different relationship with God. It's just you have to live your life and try to be as godly as you possibly can and then be and then ask for forgiveness when you're not like you're not supposed to live your life just um like oh like i can't do this because i'm christian you know like god might be watching it's like you could do that but as long as you understood under you could do wrong as long as you understand that you did wrong um, and you ask forgiveness for it. And one of the things I, I, I tweeted out, and it's funny because I actually tweeted the lyric out like eight years ago. But the one thing like I always look at or, or one of the things that always made me feel better when I was like depressed is the first, the intro, <clears throat> the intro to Slippin' where he says, uh, well, first of all, like he's like this life shit. So then you already know that, like, the, you know, he, he isn't talking about a particular situation. He's just talking about life in general. Like, he just says this life shit. But it's what he says when he says, to live is to suffer and to understand is to find meaning in the suffering. And there's a lot of times, like, I'll be going through, like, hard times and, like, my friends don't have the words, like, you know, for me or I'd turn to friends and you know they wouldn't be there but I'd look at that that um you know friends are fine well I won't say family like my family's there but sometimes they don't have the words but I look at that that quote and it's just like you got to break it down like to live is to suffer like nobody is gonna have a life where you don't go through like bad shit 
But if you live your whole life going through bad shit and just always, you know, what was me? Like, all of this has happened to me. Like, why is this happening? Like, I didn't do anything. Like, why do people treat me like this? Like, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you could, if you understand that there's like bad things that are going to happen to you in life, but you could look at it and find some kind of like meaning as to why these things happen it would help you avoid them in the future or either be better prepared for them in the future and that's the one thing like in those two lines like he he stressed he, he stressed that um he stretched that into something like i i've lived with through my whole life like think about that for a second and that's probably something he took from the bible i wouldn't even i i'm not sure but um it's something i you know a lot of people go to like bible verses or some kind of like motto from some kind of like you know motivational speaker or some shit and like me anytime i'm down in the dumps i look at this dmx like phrase i wouldn't even say it's a lyric because it's just the intro so that's that's the impact his music had on me. What about you, Mike? Well, let me just, uh, uh, you brought up the quote. Uh, I was going to bring this up uh, at the end, but uh, this this was, this is, uh, it's appropriate. So he also said, um, I think he said this, because uh, he, he read the Bible every day. And uh, in his younger years, he was incarcerated for a while. Because uh, his, his whole story, like when he was, when he was, uh, from when he was born to when he was like a, like a toddler, uh, by all accounts, he was abused uh, physically by his mother and all her like different like boyfriends at the time, so much that like he had to go to the hospital. Uh, and I'm not, I'm just saying this is what he said too. Like, uh, and he's told people this. Also, he he suffered from he's he suffered from asthma, so they would take him to the ER like every other day for a while. So he just from the beginning he was like he lived this like life you know like struggling through stuff. Um, but he said he read the Bible like you know daily what she said it sounded like, a, like something he might have like found from the like a book like a verse but he also said this and this goes back to um you saying holy you don't have to be a goody two-shoe uh to be you know a christian or a good person and everything but i came here to meet someone i don't know who it is but i'll know when i see him and um and basically he's, the, the whole point of that he also says and when i see him uh i'm gonna tell him you know i have a message for you and it's like jesus loves you and everything uh i'm gonna uh, you know i'm just gonna say that you can't tell someone else what to do without living the experience like that's why it's so important like a counselor who's lived that life you're not gonna listen to someone who's just being judgmental if someone actually lived this a life of something like where he experienced with like a substance abuse and just uh, just something like that then you'll listen to them you know does that make sense right like walking you know living a life yeah then when when you when you move on from that you have your 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 the purpose you can have is to tell someone else hey i already lived this life yeah, i've already I, experienced this you don't have to experience this because i'm uh i experienced it already you know he talked to he used to do you know talk to motivation um do like not even really like motivational speaking but just show up at like homeless shelters and talk to homeless people talk to people at like you know um recently released from incarceration um recovering drug addicts all type of things life he lived like his his um like i think like his mo in life was just to keep like paying shit forward mm. yeah so uh when i first heard it 
I remember it was uh like the the single came out. Um, again, we were we we're about the same age. I think I, I was nine, and um, I remember I came home. Uh, the the it was a time where I, I me and my brother, uh, well, obviously my whole family. I moved from even though it was like ten minutes away, it felt like an hour away. I moved from like the North Bronx to Yonkers, and I had no idea where I was. You know, I was nine. I was, like where the hell I'm so I live so far away now where am I you know even though it's like you know the five minute drive and um it was like a shift in like the family dynamic so me and my brother like um we started we bonded more we started watching wrestling again uh we started watching music together more uh we used to buy like records at Sam Goody at the Cross County mm-hmm. and this song came on dun, 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 you know like the Rough Fighter anthem yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're watching it and it's like Yonkers. I was like, Yonkers. I was like, oh, this is this is where I'm at right now. It was like, weird. I was like, I've never heard it before. Yeah, I was like, oh, no one ever like. Now it's yeah. like different, but back then I was like, if I if I heard someone say Yonkers, I'm like, I still say it about the guy like Tommy Dreamer. And there's a, you know, another guy wrestler now who's from with the neighborhood. And I'm always like, I guess it's like a New York thing. Like you're proud of like your neighborhood, you know. Yeah. But so that came out like in early '98, um, and then I remember buying the the single. Uh, I still had it. My brother has it now, but. Uh, I still had the cassette. It was "Get at Me, Dog" and uh, get, uh, "Stop Being Greedy." Mm-hmm. It was gray, had the red lighting or uh, lettering on it. I, I wore that out. I used to listen to it on the on the twenty five bus coming back from elementary school home. That and like Method Man. That was that time where that all that good music was coming out, like the Wu Tang. I had all their solo albums, and that was part. Yeah, that was part of that whole, that whole thing. Um, so that that was probably like early ninety eight. Um, then the album came out in ninety eight, uh, May ninety eight. I remember two albums in one year it was a big deal like yeah so it, it reminds me it's like a soundtrack to a time uh where like two parts of my childhood like when i was really young and then when i remember everything like we're like nine ten early teenagers and it was just kind of that moment where that was like one of the songs i listened to a lot so uh actually in the last few months i've been thinking about that a lot too it's weird um but yeah i mean um i'm trying to think uh, something else would happen with that but yeah that's pretty much it just it's like a soundtrack to a time uh, even though, like, it's just the music I listened to at the time, and it just reminds me of that. So that's why I've been thinking about it a lot too, because it has yeah. other uh, meanings to it. But um, let's go into. Um, I already talked about him early on uh, with his uh, situations he had with uh, the abuse and everything. And then when they moved to Yonkers, he was sent away to a boys' home, like multiple boys' homes. And uh, this is probably what, like, late seventies. So this is before like hip hop is like on like the radio even. There's no like, it's a local thing still. Mm-hmm. And he's he got into like hip hop and uh, he met people who, uh, they started like getting involved. In it. That's where he came up. That's where he got the name DMX. It was actually based on the uh, sampler, uh, Oberman like the um, but the drum machine sampler. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called the DMX. So that's where and then it evolved with him. Then when he came like a man, like he, it turned to a new thing. It became Dark Man X, and it just you know came, which is I, I always thought that was a cool story where it started off something different, then it evolved with him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the first album, it's Dark and Hell is Hot, uh, May '98. Uh, I'm just gonna uh, drop some uh, the tracks that are on the album. Uh, you got the Rough Riders anthem, that iconic sound, uh, Swiss beats. You know, we all know his beats. He's very delicious keys. He's been around for 25 years. That sound was so different than, like you said, Cash Money. That had its own sound. The West Coast had their own sound. 
you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, this was like the new sound. Producers was producing. Yeah, and it wasn't even like Wu-Tang sound. It wasn't like samples. It was just more um, like uh, synth. It was more like synth and like uh, not samples as much, even though there was samples. It was more like the Dame Grease sound. So you had Rough Riders Anthem and Get At Me Dog mm-hmm. and uh, a fellow Yonkers native, Sheik Luch is on it. Yeah. And uh, The Locks. That's another big hit. And then you had uh, X is Coming. You know that song, right? You just listen to the album over again, right? Mm-hmm. And you talk about the spirituality, Damien. That's uh, that's a song where it's like you, he's like reflecting on a lot of things like that. And then he has Prayer Skit One. Like you said, all four of the first albums have a, have a prayer skit on it. Uh, and then uh, Stop Being Greedy. And then later that year, wow. Because like people always say like, you make your first album, you have your whole life to make it. And then you have the second one. So then, you know, but this came out the same year. And the, the song from that that I remember is Slippin'. Yeah. That was a big, you know, that was later that year they came out. Because uh, that, that one, Ghana was like a lot more, like, see, see, the second album was a lot more, I remember it a lot more fondly because it was around the same time I was like moving, I was leaving St. Thomas to come to New York and moving to New York. Yeah, so it's like kind of like the soundtrack to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but slipping the iconic cover. I remember like when it came out, I was like, I was like, I, I, mean, I remember you know, thinking this too. You know what? Also, before you 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 go on, I think what I want to like what I meant to like say and not was that like that first album. It's like I was looking at like New York in like a TV, like Yonkers, the Bronx, all mm-hmm. that on the TV, and just because we used to have Channel Eleven. Um, New York Channel 11 in St. Thomas so I'd see the news here and I'm like oh my god I'm going to this like scary ass place and then like when that album came out and then like I actually moved up here and we used to be in Yonkers, Mount Vernon, New Rochelle, all of these places it kind of felt like I was living what I was listening to or viewing like on TV I was finally like living in it so I could kind of like relate to it a little bit better yeah that's something when you first told me about that probably like uh early on when we started working together you had wpix i was like that's awesome <laughs> like and you had like tbs too right yeah, you had like weird like, channels like knew, that uh, yankees uh, like you know you the know. fact that like mr g is still on like <laughs> <W-G>. <laughs> hey okay i'm zooming now from my bedroom but okay here we go all right yeah he's he, and mr g we all know mr g <laughs> uh yeah so around this time um this was a big time. Like I used to come home and watch TRL. Uh, what do you have, man? You had like, you know, K-Rock. You had all the boy bands. You had like Britney Spears, Christian Aguilera, this little era. Then you had you had Eminem. You have DMX. Uh, like even like Jay-Z, you know, uh, give me, you know, what, what? Like that was on like TRL for a time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like, you know, like that's a big deal. Uh, we're not just talking about, I never, I never could gauge like what was really popular. Cause like what my brother had me listen to, like he would like play was like, not a player, you know, that was the same year too. And uh, we, we, have, we should bring up too that, and, you know, Biggie Smalls died in 97. And then after that, you had like, who's like the next? Yeah, it was a big ass void. That's what, yeah. that's so you had, what, if you, if a lot of people recall, that's what the whole foundation of the Jay-Z and Nas beef was. Uh, like, who's, all right. who's, bring who's the king of New York now? But that's neither yeah. Just give just expanding on the hip hop history. 
and you already brought up Ja Rule. Uh, so there was a time where they were going to make a super group. It was going to be DMX, Jay Z, and Ja Rule, right? Remember mm-hmm. that? I remember murdering. Murderers. I was, I was, yeah, murdering. murdering. Yeah, yeah. And that actually did happen, but it was uh, just Ja Rule and his crew or whatever. Uh, but yeah, but so yeah, Money Cash Holes, which was like my favorite. Oh, that was a big hit. And it, oh, you know what? Actually, that's Timbaland. I think. Yeah, yeah. Now, you remind me of the, You reminded me before that even happened in early '97. My brother got this single because we used to get the singles only, the cassettes. It was five, four, three, two, one, zero. You know, I think it was like right yeah, and DMX cool was on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, cool J, and then DMX was on it, and he was like yeah. the, one of the verses. I remember hearing that. I was like, Again, yeah, it's I, I have, party." Yeah, I have all these cassettes, but I think uh, my brother might have them all now. But I would love to, like, you know, you always look it up and listen to the song. We find on Spotify, but that yeah, I remember that was like '97. Wow, that was early on. Uh, but anyway, so in early '99, um, a pop star. He became a pop star. You know, pretty much because that, that was like the type of music at the time. It was like a, it was a blend of all different types, even though it was all like one company and everything, Def Jam, like Sony and all that. It was like a blend of different types of music. Um, and then '99, we had a big thing that happened it was Woodstock '99, and DMX performed at Woodstock '99. You know, yeah, like a whole like hour set, which is you know a big deal. I, I think so. Uh, and at the and then at the end of the year, he came out with his third album. And then there was X. Just the just the thing, a whole hour set, and this was like 1999 and he was only Somebody he had knows. only been around for like two three years, and he had enough music to do a whole hour by himself at a music festival where like everybody mm. was on there. Like I'm pretty sure he was one of the few people I had like an hour, and he had like as enough popular material to to. Cause remember now, like you're like everybody's seeing the video. This this is like a rock band crowd. Like people came there to see metal, like metal and shit like that. Rap metal he, was like yeah, yeah. And he had the people moving at Woodstock '99. I completely forgot about this, but a lot of guys. I think Methman did one. He did a song with Ozzy Osbourne, but DMX has a song with uh, Marilyn Manson on the second album. Mm. Which Marilyn Manson was another. So this is like a blend of all different types of like personalities and like genres. Now everything is kind of like they officially have it where it's like you don't you don't know anything about some other genre, but you know, like let me talk about Little Nas X with the country uh, crossover thing. But so basically, back then you draw, a lot of genres were mixing, and uh, so the third album. By the way, I'm gonna check out the Woodstock '99 because you can you can watch like everything. It was a main stage and he was on it. I think I'm gonna watch that again soon. But the third album came out December of '99. Uh, this is. I upgraded. We started getting CDs. Oh, we upgraded in '99. Uh, so that, uh, and then there was X. This has "What's My Name," and probably this is his most popular, universally known song, "Party Up." Mm-hmm. Would you agree? This is like his most popular, most known, well-known song because it's yeah, been like yeah. used in like movies and stuff. Uh, you know, so yeah. So that's the third album. You remember listening to that back then uh, often? Yeah, um, I think that was the album that I had. They don't, they don't know. Then it, then it. He was <laughs> like, I saw other thing about DMX too. Like he was his own like sound machine. <laughs> yeah, his own orchestra, his own sound machine, his own ad lib when he used to do the dog barking, like all of that. Like his mm-hmm. his music, like it it, it was often imitated and replicated but you knew like he was the originator of of um 
of that type of song. But yeah, he had um, they don't know, then it, then it, ooh, we be. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that album too. That was a big deal too, because that that was that was 2001. That was like the fourth one, and I remember <laughs> hearing it because the video was great. It was like a three, like a go, like Yonkers, the Bronx, Queens, that you know the whole thing. It was like that yeah. that sound was great, and then uh, then in 2003, um, he was still doing it. He had the uh, this was a big song. This might be his most popular, uh, lesser known song. Uh, where the hood at? Yeah, what a hood, funny story with, with that. Hood, hood. It's funny as hell because our song too. I like whenever I see like some some ghetto ass behavior, like when I'm out in the street, like or anywhere. I'm like, I I always sing that shit to myself. I'm like. Where the hood, where the hood, where the hood. But like, I don't know if you ever noticed that shit when we were working. Like, if somebody came into mm-hmm. our store and it was acting like ignorant, I'd be, I'd sing that shit to, to my boss. I'd be like, where the hood, where the hood, yeah. where the hood. <laughs> with me, with that song, it's funny. Um, I guess 2015, I went on a bachelor party in New Orleans and it was a country bar mm-hmm. and no one wanted to go up there. We just landed. We had, it was a big ordeal. We were like delayed like six hours or whatever. We get down there. We go to the place. has a mechanical bull on stage. And uh, I'm like, who's going to do it? No one wants to do it. What about Mike? And then when they turned around, I'm already like, I'm already writing my name name down on the uh, on the list. Like I'm writing my name down. What song do you want? He's like, the DJ. What song do you want? And I'm like, where the hood at? DMX, where the hood at? Only country. And I'm like, I wanted like, where the hood, where the hood, like all like that. But mm-hmm. um, I got kicked out. I did ride it though. That's my personal story with that. And then he started making movies. I know he made Bell, uh, Belly. Oh, Lord. Already. That movie is one of my favorite movies. Um, You know, when you talk about, like, Oscars so white, bro, if that movie came out today and it wasn't nominated for an Oscar, like, I don't even think it was nominated for, like, visual effects or, like, cinematography. Mind you, you literally had the freaking uh stanley kubrick of hip-hop videos directing the movie hype williams like a, a extreme visionary like oh man like that movie was just like great and like dmx was great in it and they had like a very heavy like hip-hop cast and it wasn't like fucking like crush groove or some shit like that like these dudes was playing like roles and like it was right up their alley and like you know they they weren't um making um exploitive yeah it wasn't like exploitive but it also it was like a music movie like they weren't making like movies that was telling like stories from like you know like the projects of like Queensbridge and the projects of Yonkers and stuff like that. So it was just like cool to see it like, and I'm, I'm, I'm doubting like it had like a huge budget, but you look at everything, like the shots in Jamaica, um, and, um, my man, um, I forgot his name. He, he just died too. Um, I played, um, the, the Jamaican Don Data, um, he also passed away a few years ago in a car crash too. So RIP to him. Um, it, it was just like a beautiful ass like movie. Um, and then the aesthetics, like that box cover. Yeah, the blue. The poster, right. like people, like people. Was it blue that, with the park bench? Right. 
Was it Blue in a Park Bench or something? That's what nah, I it was like... No, it wasn't? Okay. It was like the score... It was kind of like Nas in white. Mm-hmm. DMX in okay. black. It kind of took the Scarface look and then it kind of had like hints of blue. And, you know, it's it was cool because... It was a black movie, so black people started having that poster up, and that poster mm. started to go alongside, you know, the Scarface poster, the Godfather poster, the Carlitos Way poster. Like mm. we finally had our own shit. So it's, I, I'm saying all this to say how culturally significant Belly was, and mm. I think like the black community realized it, but like the overall like film community needs to start giving our movie like it's due like it needs to cross over at this point because it was a beautifully shot film this is just my memory from 20 years ago i thought it was blue but now now that i see the poster i think method man was in it too another one uh who came from you know like rap but then method man, now Taren, he's like a, Talker, movie star uh, Taren turner from um T-Boz, society t-boss um Terrell Hicks, oh my God! So, oh, yeah, Terrell Hicks, man, right? she's such a beautiful, yeah, but... dark woman. I mean, yo, like I remember she was in in a Bronx Tale, which is set part oh, of yeah, yeah. where where I'm living now. Um, but she she was gorgeous. Yeah. Um, Vita, who used to be also a rapper at the time, she played like his his mistress. But dog, like, listen. Belly, can't talk enough about it. Um, but I see, you know, he went on to act in more movies. Mainstream, he was yep. in Romeo Must Die, which Cradle to the Grave, Cradle was to a, the Grave. Was, yeah, oh, Romeo Must Die. He, mm. um, had like he he formed a friendship with Aaliyah that lasted until unfortunately, unfortunately, her death. And when he passed yesterday, her mom said that now you know they they'll they they finally got to they'll finally get to see each other or she knows that Aliyah now has a friend up there um and um the young lady that was in um cradle to the grave she's like acting and stuff now she was in belly i mean not in belly in um power this season um like she was playing his daughter in a movie like way back when and now like like from that she became like his goddaughter and they had this relationship from when she was a little girl all the way to now she's like a grown woman um so i know this this must have been hard on her yesterday she posted like a video of it um but one of my favorite movies of his was um uh never die alone which is kind of like an obscure movie but it was based on uh old um book by a uh, famous black art author. Um I don't know the name um is displaced from me right now, but that was like my favorite movie of his oh. outside of Belly. Okay. Exit Wounds, I saw that in the movies. That was with Steven Seagal, me and my cousin when we used to go to the movies when I was younger. We saw that. Um but Mike, you wanted to talk about his movies. Yeah, well, uh, well, he he had a big hit off of one of his movies, uh, "The Cradle to the Grave." Uh, the X one, give it to you. That's that's probably in his like top, just well known songs, probably three or four. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so catchy. Um, and then he had an album in two thousand six, "The Year of the Dog." Um, that was his prime. 
but the the thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say about the actual music, uh, not not lyrics, just like the sound, uh, mm-hmm. very poppy, very very poppy, and I mean maybe that's a credit to uh, the uh, keyboard sound, you know, like we were saying like with Swiss beats too, but uh, very catchy. Like you don't even have to know what what the words are, just the melodically is very poppy, uh, which was not which was not the case with. Uh, it's not derisive at all. It's just to say that his songs were easy to like be crossed over. Like Exo I'll Give It To You was like the trailer song for the Deadpool movies. So oh, yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. what I remember. Yeah, yeah. Very um, recently. Party up in here, yeah. like you see it in movies and rom coms and shit. So mm-hmm. it, it's our popular, but you know, before we you know, just to end up with his music, I know a lot of people is like, oh, like, or who's not familiar with DMX would probably say like, oh, like, oh, it, it seems like he was only like popping from like 1998 to like 2006. Like he didn't get washed. He didn't get washed up. Um, He didn't get whack or nothing like that. It's just stuff in his personal life. He couldn't really give the art of music his focus like he he could have. Um, obviously, he had to deal with his family stuff, had to deal with his addiction stuff. But he never got whack. He just stopped making music as much. And he like he's been on features for a while. And like another rapper, obviously didn't get to live as long, so he didn't get to attain the heights of popularity of a DMX, but boy, is his album, the one album he did drop before he passed away, before he was tragically killed. Pop Smoke, apparently there's a Pop Smoke DMX song somewhere out there. If somebody could get their hands on that and release it, I would love to hear that shit because them two are like two sides of the same coin. It's like the freaking um the old terminator and a new version of terminator on the same track for, for me so i just wanted to put that out there like he never got whack he did not get old or tired or nothing like that like he just stopped making music as often as he did and he really he always said like he wrote his music like he took pride in that shit you can't say you're an artist unless you write your own music so that was one of his things and the thing about that was especially with uh especially with the rap, like a lot of people could just drop in, Hey, uh, hanging out with some, Hey, we'll drop into the studio, record something real quick. Uh, someone has it somewhere, you know, and like a lot of times people would just drop down like a verse, like 16 lines. And then it'd show up on a song somewhere. Like they would just get paid out. Well, give me 10, you know, five grand for this thing. So there must be a lot of unreleased material out there that, you know, now, especially now they're going to like release it. Um, uh, I mean, Christ, man, Tupac made how many albums after, you know, they came out with like 10 of them, you know, after. So you never know. So we'll, we'll, we're going to check out. Maybe we'll hear, uh, again, like you said, like a new generation guy on the same song with, you know, with, you know, a legend. Yeah. And so we, we still have that. And we have the old, we have the old stuff too. You know? And people was dropping like random pics, like pics of him in random places that they met him um, took pictures with him or dropping these random ass stories of him just, like being out somewhere but just being a gracious and a very like um friendly person to them and not being like an asshole and it's like it's not like it's not like these stories are not random like it's just like 
you, the thing with DMX is like he's always just at the end of the day, height of popularity or him just being a known person. Like at the end of the day, he knew like he was just like a dude from Yonkers. And I like from all accounts, like you met him on the street, like that's who you met. You just met like a dude from Yonkers, like what's up? Like, oh, you want to pick? I bet. Da, 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 da. Like he, he was that cool, man. What's my name? DMX. I'll be the best. You see the rest. They looking like they need a rest. All right. So a big thing that's going on is people are uh, signing up to get the vaccine shot for uh, COVID-19. Uh, Shook here uh, actually got his shot uh, last week. So he's going to give us uh, his uh, experience with it. And Shook, so how'd it go? How long did it take you to get the appointment? Yeah, so I got it through my mom's job and just like the week or two before, because you know they have different tiers that they're opening opening the vaccine up to, and they just open it up to like people over thirty. So I finally went over the threshold, and my mom she actually works for the state. Yeah, so she um was able to set up appointments actually i tried to we, we tried to get an appointment through our church um but that fell through because i think they ran out of um the vaccine so i was able to get it through her job so me and her she signed me and her up we went one day um it was administered at like her office um just went they asked you questions like have you been feeling sick? Have you tested positive for COVID in the last couple of days, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's very non-invasive questions. Um, did that, um, had to sit and wait, you know, obviously with COVID restrictions, you had to kind of go one at a time and you had to go like one at a time and in groups and, and wait and stuff like that. So we waited and then I finally got my name called, went in. It was like a little cubicle. Um, it was a nurse. Uh, I, I don't, you know, you kind of had to wear, that's the one thing you got to wear something that's easy to like, you know, get your arm out. Um, and she was, you know, what kind of, which arm you want to, uh, wanted to go in. And I was just like, you know, my, my right arm was already, you know, next to her. So I just let her do it there. It was a little prick. It was just like any shot you ever take. But then you go out and then you have to sit for a while. I don't know if this is at every spot, but they had little snacks, little box water. I never had water in a box before. Um, I kind of had to sit there for 15 minutes and let them like observe you, I guess, before you leave. So this was around like 12.50, I mean 12.15 and like 12.30 they called me, I went outside and the rest of the day I felt like pretty all right, didn't feel any like after effects and stuff like that. Um, but here's how the day went. Um, and also it felt like, like they injected like a little bubble into my arm and it just, you know, burst and it just spread um i felt fine basically for the rest of the day then like around 10 o'clock like the area where 
I got the shot was kind of like sore. And then 1045, like my arms, uh, like my hands and my fingers starting to get kind of sore. And then like 12 a.m., like I started to feel like chills, like 1130, 12 a.m., like started to feel chills, like started to feel cold. I had to get under the covers. And then around 12.45, like, my skin got warm and, like, my mouth got kind of dry. And I was the end of the first night. And then um, the next day, I woke up feeling better, but my body was still a little sore. And I heard a rumor, this is not not to be taken for for fact, but um, somebody I worked in a doctor's office said that um if you felt like the side effects like you possibly might have had COVID before um so I don't know perhaps I, I had like I, I I the last time I actually felt like really sick was in December of 2019 and I was working in a high volume entertainment venue so it's where a lot of tourists go so it's very possible that you know I could have gotten it then and had it and who knows like I, I'm, I'm like I hope not because what if I gave it to somebody and it was somebody who didn't recover from it but that afternoon I started to get like a light headache and then I started to feel like real tired at certain points during the day and I was really I was good for the rest of the day just had like my had soreness um in different spots definitely still in the arm where I got the shot. Um, actually still kind of feel like sore in the, in the spot where they, they gave me the, the vaccination shot. Um, and that was our bedtime. And I was the end of day two. And then the start of day three, um, like I said, the spot of the shot still sore. And I was really good like for the rest of the day. Um, and then at bedtime, my nasal and chest were kind of acting up, but I do have to say, like, I do have allergies and I have asthma. And usually this, you know, winter to spring shift, I usually get sick. So I'm more likely attributing that part to, to allergies. I mean, it could be that, like, the COVID vaccination also... um ramp that up a little bit because the COVID infects your, your lungs. And if I already have kind of like, you know, messed up lungs as is, like, obviously you would, um, you know, have that area, um, you know, flared up or, or acting up, so to speak. And I was like the end of day three. And then the last two days, like I kind of had a chest cold from the same thing. Like I said, I think that was allergies because I simply took like my allergy medication, um, took my albuterol, and I've you know, basically been, I, I felt, it started to feel it on Thursday, and then yesterday it was like really, really bad, and then today it started off bad, but as the day went by, I'm like feeling pretty good, still got like a little cough, but pretty much I'm straight. So basically, you took the one-shot one, right? There's two different versions, right? Yeah, so that's all the thing. So there is a um, 
the Moderna and the Pfizer are mm-hmm. the one shot. I mean, are the two shots. You have to take two shots. You know, go one time, come back, get another shot. Um, but I, me and my mom, we took the Johnson & Johnson shot, which is the one dose. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, the Pfizer and the Moderna and my research, they say those are in like the 90 to 95 or 99% effective. But the Johnson & Johnson that we took were in the 66%. It's 66% effective, which kind of worried me. But then when we talked to the nurses um, at the vaccination site, they were saying, you know, it's basically like, um, you know, whether what, what shot you get is basically like picking between like Coke and, and, and Pepsi. Um, so it, it ain't really like that big of a difference. So basically, um, yeah, I'm supposed to be getting the Johnson and Johnson one too. Um, mm-hmm. It felt my appointment fell through. I was supposed to go to the J- Jacob Javits Center, but it fell through. Something happened, but I will be getting it, and I'll give my report on it. But the Johnson and Johnson one is one shot, and basically, what I get from my information is it's more of a traditional vaccination, one shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why uh, we have to check to see the, the pain because you get a normal shot, you get a normal, uh, uh, you know, a vaccine shot for any other uh, like a disease or uh, the flu shot, you have like a soreness. So that's a one shot thing. And basically they take a, a very small dose of COVID-19 and just like any other immune, you know, any other uh, vaccinations, a small amount. That the way I liken it, the way I liken it, obviously we're not speaking as medical professionals, but you know, when you were a kid, that's how your, your flu shot was explained to you. It's basically like it gets your immune system prepared to fight off these certain diseases. That's why you get a flu shot every year. If you didn't get a flu shot, like the chances of you dying from like the flu, cause I was, that was my, that was something that people kept on saying like, oh, like what if it's as harmless as the flu? And it's like the flu is only Mm -hmm. harmless because people take flu shots and people get vaccinated. That's the way like, it doesn't go to like everybody. That's why literally Balto had to frickin' uh they had to send like the 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 huskies in the snow to give it to different mm. towns in alaska and balto um because the flu is not deadly but it's not as deadly because of the influenza but i like i liken it to like a scrimmage like mm. or preseason for like a a, a sports team like you put it out there you know it's not supposed to be um it, it, it it's like putting them in a the game that's meaningless just to prepare them for a game that's actually meaningful. All right. And the Johnson Johnson is a vector vaccine. And then uh, the th- two dose is the Pfizer. It's uh, you know, yeah. like you were saying, um, that's two shots. And it's just like the antibodies for uh change. Your, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's just that one is one shot, one is two, and you don't actually get a dose. So you don't actually get the, uh, like a, a sample of COVID-19 in the uh, two-dose one. That's basically how I was told that it's like separated. But yeah, so you're feeling, so it's been four days, right? Four or five days, you said? Yeah. Right, and, so. and like, I've gotten like the side effects. Me and my mom took the same shot, but she had the cold, like a mild cold the week before. So she, for so for whatever reason, like she's not getting the same side effects as I have. Like to, to with this little chest cold that I've had the last two days, it is the first time I've gotten sick since that 
um, December of 2019, where, you know, it might have been the flu, it might have been COVID, who knows? Uh, I hope it wasn't. I don't hope I didn't infect anybody if, if it was, um, and I'm glad I survived it if it was. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it, you know, you anticipate, like, I'm not like dying or anything. Like it's, it, it's, um, obviously I've had to like stay in bed for a little bit. Like my, cause it's, it's my asthma. That's one of the reasons too, that, you know, um, if you're a high risk person with some kind of thing, that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to return to work. Um, where me and Mike kind of had the choice where he went back, I didn't go back because I was like, you know, I have asthma, so I don't know what my body would do if I caught COVID. Um, again, December 2019, I might have had it. Um, who knows? But I wasn't taking that chance, especially when you're seeing people dying. I've seen people younger than me, older than me, all over, like everybody died from it. So that's the reason why I took the vaccine. On top of that, um, it's strange, like certain people want, you know, things to open back up and, you know, to be able to go outside and play again, but they don't want to take the vaccine, which I find like kind of contradictory. Mm-hmm. Um, to each his own, you know, this is my message for non-vaxxers. Some of the people, close friends of mine, um, not bashing you, but I'm just giving my perspective on it. I took the vaccine. I'm, I'm like still here. My mom took the vaccine. She's great. My stepdad, he took the vaccine. He actually took the um, the Pfizer. He got his at the Jacob Javis Center through his job. So right now, our like I feel a lot safer because our household is um, three quarters vaccinated. So the only person we just got to let get um, left is my brother, who, of course, is autistic. Um, but they're only doing the teens who have um, developmental disabilities or handicaps or whatever. They're only doing those at um, 16 and mm-hmm. he's only 13. So hopefully soon he'll be that age and he could get his vaccine too. Um, you know, people were saying yeah, like, I heard, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, no, I heard, yeah, I heard uh, they're opening up to 12, but again, like you said, uh, different categories. So, so, uh, some, uh, children from 12 are going to be, um, they had tr- uh, clinical tests trials on it. Uh, but again, I'm not sure uh, how they're going to uh, categorize, uh, the different below 16, uh, children so yeah, yeah. And it should be pretty soon because i think the the date was may 1st for the deadline for everybody to get yeah. vaccinated and they moved it up to april 19 so i assume that means um he'll be up for it pretty soon but you know there's a lot of like conspiracy theories um we just talk about dmx a lot of people was using that you know me and mike was talking about it before we started where people was like, oh, like, you know, DMX took, like, the COVID vaccine a week before he died. And it's just like, bro, that's insensitive as fuck because we already lost somebody from something that wasn't COVID or the vaccine. Um, and it's in, just as insensitive to his family to um, speculate. But it's also insensitive to possibly um influence people not to take the vaccine and put themselves at risk so if you're not going to take it like keep that to yourself 
um and let that be your personal personal choice at the same way like i'm doing this and i'm telling you about my experience with it but i'm not telling anybody to go and take it i'm just giving out information as a person who has taken it um but people come up with that conspiracy theory uh, i was telling mike dmx is now like the third person has died died they're like oh you know we took the vaccine which you don't you you don't know or you you, you, you can't really confirm that. But there was Hank Aaron, who, mm. first of all, he was like 85 years old. So, all right. Mm. And then uh, Marvin Hagler, who also was like in his, like a senior. So it, it's, it, I, that's, that's a wild speculation to drop. But it was people saying like they're implanting like tracking chips. And I'm like, all right, like you posted that from your public social media profile on your cell phone that's easily traceable. And besides that, like I think the FBI, CIA, World Police, um, Avengers, whoever the hell you're trying to hide from, I think they have bigger fresh fish to fry than you for using your cousin's um, Netflix password, okay? Um, people talking about the ingredients. I'm like, these vaccines were passed by the same FDA that approves every single food that you put into your body today, tomorrow, the day before, the day before that, a year ago, since you were a child. Like, you know what's funny as hell, mate? Like, remember when they came out with that um, pink slime shit for, for McDonald's? Mm. And everybody yeah. was like, oh my God, this is a pink slime. Like, you can't eat McDonald's anymore. And I was just like, bro, like, You've been eating McDonald's for your whole fucking life before this shit came out. Like, and this is going to stop you? Like, all right. Uh, if you ain't turned into, like, the freaking, like, a mutant yet, like. <laughs> uh, Ninja Turtle. Yeah, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. The ooze. Yeah. Um, that made me think of that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, again, the the side effects aren't wild. Like it was just like I had a, even if that is a um side effect, it was just like a chest cold, dude. It's like a two day cold. Like tomorrow, I'm um like tomorrow I should be straight. I've been like avoiding. That's another thing. Like I didn't do that they um suggested, which was you got to drink a lot of water. Mm. And I usually drink a lot of water, but Which, this whole week I was drinking like one glass of water, and then um like I did my I, I did my beer review, I did sugar reviews, the brews, and then like drank like beer. Um, but for the past couple of days, I've I've stayed away from drinking a beer, so I'm gonna try to stay away from it tonight as well. Um, tomorrow I should be good. Cause I actually had like beers that I wanted to review that I've been holding off now for like a couple of days. And I, I thought I would have been able to buy some more beer to do even more reviews, but <clears throat> it hasn't worked out that way. So I'm just drinking like tea and water. Oh, uh, but I, I think tomorrow I should be straight. And I think Mike, when you take your, your, when you get yours, you'll be straight too. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, uh, I'm not the last, I think, my brother got it, I think, he, or he's getting it. I'm the last person in like my my inner circle who hasn't who hasn't had the vaccine yet. Ironically, and I see like hundreds of people a day at work, you know, which is ironic. Uh, and people are getting lax now. 
just because you got the shot doesn't mean you can walk around without your mask on and all that stuff. Yeah, that is you know, true. I see people like, I see people just, hey, it's like, you know, hey, I mean, a month ago, people, uh, I felt like, like in early March, um, I remember like, well, let's go back to April. Oh, you know, everyone hyped, you know, of course, you know, the first responders and everything. Uh, but they were also talking about like retail people being like, oh, you're, you're, you're a hero too. And that, that, that changed quite quickly. Uh, it went back to uh, status quo. Which I might like. I might looking for a special treatment, or whatever. I just want some common, uh, common courtesy. Um, don't put your mask on when like you're opening the door to go into a place. You know, just, j- just come on. I feel like people like think they could just like it's it's like okay, whatever, whatever. But um, no, I the, felt it's the people. I, it's the people that's not taking a vaccine. That's like not wearing masks and not social distancing and not doing the um not doing the 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 sound of things um just like mike said like they 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 give you a card um or like a paper telling you or flyer telling you like you gotta still wear a mask you still gotta wash your hands you still gotta maintain social distance and stuff like that the reason being is because not everybody has gotten a vaccine yet so i think when more and more people get the vaccine you know more of the um protocols will start to become more and more lax but i just i just find the irony of like the people is like yeah oh, this things need to hurry up and get back to normal you need to open this up we need full stadiums i want to go to the movies um i want to do whatever like dumb shit we used to do when you know before the pandemic but refuse to take this vaccination and to, to each his own. But I would say if you don't want to take it, like stop trying to influence other people not to take it. Like if you want to dare to be different and risk your life, then sure, go on. But I'm taking a va- I've taken a vaccine. Mike's about to take the vaccine. My household is three is seventy five percent vaccinated soon to be a hundred percent and that helps me sleep at night. Yeah. And I haven't felt anything like, I think me and Chuck talked about this. It was a different thing. Um, wearing the mask, like I have this, you have your own thing. I have like high blood pressure. So I, I didn't know what was going on. I don't, I don't think I've been sick. You know, I, I just, I just sometimes like, especially with the mask on, I get a little like uh, anxiety gets amped up and everything. So I thought for a while, um, like, I was a compromise, but uh, I think maybe I feel fine since I, I dealt with that. So uh, in the coming weeks, uh, I'll be getting mine and uh, we'll do, I'll do my own little version of this, mm-hmm. yeah. but everyone else should uh, keep a diary, keep a journal too, just to see how you feel. And then when, if, if something happens, you have uh, actual notes to look back to and you can tell, um, tell the, the people like what, how you, how you feeling and they can pinpoint it. Yeah, so it helps out everyone else because they can use the notes to help out other people. Yeah, so I, I'm glad I got to share that with you guys listening. Um, and in a few weeks, Mike will share his experience with it. And you know, if you're on the fence about taking it, you could decide it's something you want to do. Um, you could decide it's something you <laughs> want to don't. Um, but it's it's all up to you. But I think like the best, like in my opinion, my honest opinion, I think the best way we could get through this and save lives. Um, again, I'm not a medical expert. Expert. 
I'm not a scientist. I'm not a biologist. I'm not a physician. Uh, I'm not a doctor. Um, but from those people that spent uh, endless days and nights researching the stuff um, that's that's been going on, um, that that spent endless nights re- researching all of these different things. Um, they're saying that this is the best way to move forward with this. And it was uh, um, the president of Montefiore Hospital here in New York, where he was on the Yankee game the other night. And people like, you know, Michael K was asking him questions very much from uh, um unbiased perspective, just to get here the explanation. And he was, you know, people were saying like, oh, like, how did you come up with like a vaccine so quick and his explanation was like you you know people spend their entire careers studying and researching for the one big thing so that when it arrives we're not you know um walking around you know letting the blind lead the blind which basically was what was going on from the onset of this and people weren't listening to these guys i spent you know, their, their entire careers, like researching this shit and preparing for something like this to happen. You got to remember like Dr. Fauci, he's an epidemiologist, meaning like an epidemic or a pandemic, those type of things. Like he's spent like more years than probably me and might have been on the earth combined, like researching these things. And I think, you know, you can't be closed minded, but, um, Again, taking a, the vaccine was my, my choice, but, you know, if, if you want to be ignorant and not take take it, then, you know, that's that's up to you. But just don't complain when, like, you know, um, places won't allow you into their establishment because you're not vaccinated and you present a risk to everyone in that establishment. Um, and, you know, you can't travel because you present a risk to people in the airport, people on our plane, people in the country or state that you're visiting. Um, all of these things are, are things and it's not like an infringement of rights. It's just something you have to do if you want to do things. Now, if you chose not to do these things, then you'd have to live your life going about it the same way. You got to stay six feet away from people. You're going to have to wear a mask for the rest of your life because you're putting people at risk. The other part is, Five million people worldwide have died from this. Like, to put that in perspective, Yankee Stadium holds about 48,000 people. So you're talking about a Yankee Stadium crowd like 100 times over, if my math is right, Mike, right? Yeah, well, basically, just think of like six seasons of home Yankee home games wiped out, you know, or something like that, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, this is what I'll say. Even if if you're like anti, anti anti vaxxers have been saying this for you know for decades, but um, you can't go to like public school like you like every summertime. What we would get like, like shots, right? And you know, before we went back to school, you, like it's part of something I like to call and we all regard as the social social contract. If you want to live in society, it's, these are just the rules. Like, I'm just as like a realist, as like a just non non bias bias. We establish 
guidelines that it's society. I'm not putting any emotion into it. I'm just saying this is how society works. We have laws, no shirt, no shoes. That's willing. You, 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 that's a thing now. You know, it's very basic things and very, very serious things. Even with the police, like you, there's guidelines for our society. And this is part of the, this is part of uh, our society now. So if you don't follow it, you're going to be an out, you're going to be an outsider, you're going to be an outlaw. Because I, I come from that point of view too, where it's just like, these are the facts now. The FDA, you can't, you know, you, you have all uh, FCC, all these different uh, regulatory uh, bodies, they're there for a reason and then they regulate everything. So you don't listen to a CD player and it blows up in your face. You know, there's like <laughs> rules and, you know, policies. And it makes sense because people who are, uh, you know, kind of smart, who spent more time than, uh, than everyone else on this, they know what they're talking about. And it's not, not a big uh, conspiracy. It's just so everything runs smoothly. Right. Society runs smoothly. Yes. All right. So uh, we're always scrolling through Twitter. Uh, I saw Shug uh, re- uh, retweeted this uh, this quote. He quote tweeted uh, someone's tweet about uh, let's normalize uh, friendship dates with people of the opposite sex. Um, I saw you. I saw you share it. And then I saw you send it to me, and I'm like, "All right, Shug, this this Shug has something to say about this." Mm-hmm. I knew that because they got the double got the double dose of it. Um, so when you first saw us, what was your initial reaction? Like when you saw this dude uh, doing like the, we'll show you. It's like a photography, like professional photography shot with him and a and a lady, uh, big smiles, and that was the that was his statement. Let's normalize friendship uh-huh. dates with people of the opposite sex. Like bro, like like bro was wearing like a tailored suit, and then his friend is like wearing like a suit, like like a, I mean not a suit, wearing a dress as if like she's going to like the damn Oscars, and they were basically saying like, oh, um, let's normalize friendship dates or dates between friends, and it was just like, and they they went to this like expensive house looking restaurant because i assume that was the the thing and i was just like this ain't my first reaction is like all right bro like you're probably somebody who's in the friend zone or this is a woman you thought you could attain but she's made it clear that she's not um given you any action or any interest like romantically like period so it's just like, oh, all right, well, like we're friends. Been, well, you know, I've been there, Mike. I'm pretty sure you've been there too. Sure. Um, and they that that was the first thing. Then the second thing, I was like, all right, this is a bit excessive. And I'm like, to me, normalizing a friend date would be like doing like her and you doing shit that you do with your boys. Um, or her and you doing shit that she does with her girls. I'm not, I don't know what girls, um, do when they go out with each other, but you know, for a guy, it's like, oh, all right, like going to like the, going to Buffalo Wild Wings and watching like the Giants game or something like that, you know, like that, that's what like to me normalizing like a friend date is with a girl or like, I guess, I don't know what, what do girls do when they have free time, um, should I be a uh, old school guy like shopping? <laughs> they go shopping. Uh, well, spend... even not like going to the mall, like something yeah, where yeah. it's like a, a a large group of people. But 
dinner. Yeah. They go to dinner. Yeah, like when me and Mike used to go out and stuff like that, I ain't like, oh, yo, Mike, you better wear your tailored suit. <laughs> and we're going to take pics like before and after this shit, like doing Charlie's Angels. <laughs> somebody somebody said that shit. It was like, yo, once you see once they once you see them doing the Charlie's Angel pose, like you know you're not getting no ass. <laughs> All right, man. I'll be there. I'll be there at 5 30. Oh, don't forget the color temperature uh, measure. Because we're taking <laughs> professional photos. Okay. Yeah. Charlie's gonna meet us there with the with the uh, the lighting. Um but yeah, um so that anything else from your initial uh uh initial uh like because it sets in. Then you think about other things. Then you read the tweets. Other people's that influences you too. But when I first saw it, mm-hmm. you know, it, when I first saw it, I was like, "All right, well, this is you mean hanging out?" That was my first thing. I was like, "Oh, you mean hanging out?" Because yeah. like, I, there's this thing that I keep saying, "Normalize." This is a new buzzword. Normalize. Let's normalize taking the trash out. So I feel like they apply that to everything, and then that's a trigger word where people right away just think like, because like it's been used for other things that are actually need some, to be. And you know what I mean? There's things that need to be. Somebody said that there was like everybody comes on social media talking about normalize this and normalize that instead of just doing whatever makes you happy. It's like, bro, like if you want to take this girl out that is never gonna be um interested in you romantically, sexually, all that stuff, then do that on your own time, but don't um try to influence us. And then the other part is like he, you know, like he was saying, responding to other guys, he was like, oh, like, oh. I've seen the responses to this. And clearly you guys don't respect women. And I'm like, it ain't about respecting women. It's respecting your fucking self. I, I have them. I wrote them down. Yeah, go uh, So he says, let's normalize. You know, that's the first thing. And then like the next most in a, in a thread. like thing is his next response. And it was like, the lack of respect from you guys have for women is very telling in these comments, fellas. That remind that's so I wrote that it was so preachy. Like mm-hmm. that's like me saying, like, guys, let's all wear tank tops. And then people are like, ah, tank tops, whatever. And then like me, I want people to respond this way so I can say this. Like it was very uh um uh, not pre not What's the word again? Like you knew the outcome. You knew what well, you what do you didn't expect, like hundred percent hearts, like you're gonna have a response on Twitter. Um a lot of guys saying that this is an L. L well, like bro, are y'all not, not single by choice? <laughs> then, 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 then this is probably early on. Then things got serious. Go, Let me clarify. No, Go, she's girl. not a married woman. <laughs> you had to go into that. And fellas, while y'all thinking y'all landing these jokes, you're showing women on your timeline that you don't know how to act around an attractive woman. He's still trying to get in there. <laughs> He's still trying to get it in. Uh, but yeah, um, my thing is like maybe like subconsciously even you keep you're like hey well it's, we're so we're only friends all right, all right but you're waiting it out like that's another come on man like in as a kid not a kid but like younger days like someone's girlfriend like when back when like when we would hang out would it be like 20 of us like and it'd be like different groups and we would all meet up for like a super you know super hangout like a, like a bar or something like that we all like um and it, it was clear that she was going out with someone else mm-hmm. i could tell him this guy he was waiting it out a year two years Let's just say, like, a handful of years later, it went down. Yeah, yeah. He waited out five years. He waited out. The then, he was out. then he was out. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Hey, it's like a, you know, but, you know, it's a thing. Like, subconsciously even, maybe. Um, I mean, I'll put it to you this way. Like, he went out with this girl to this expensive-ass restaurant, told her, like, dress nice. He's going to dress nice. Like, what are you trying to do? Like, you're trying to impress. 
like it ain't like you just think like I'll give you a personal story like last last um this girl I've been with she me and her were friends and then at some point like she had broke up with her boyfriend so then I hit her up you know out of the blue just to say hey, hi or whatever that's on the third so then she approached me like oh like you know like well I'm single now so when you're going out to like clubs and shit or whatever, um, or when you go into like the city and stuff, hit me up so I could, you know, we could hang out or whatever. And I was under the impression like it was still like a friend, you know, or I was actually like confused. I'm like, should I go for it? Or is this just like a friend date? You know, this is just like a friendship, a friendly little hangout, whatever, whatever. So when we finally linked up, I was, you know, we just went to like, the movies and then went out for a drink afterwards. It was literally the same shit I, I did with you and I do with Joel and I do with all my friends. So I wasn't looking at it as a romantic thing. Then over time, when it seemed like it was going on in that direction, then we get to this point where it's like, oh, all right, we're gonna dress up nice, go to a fancy restaurant, like you look sexy as hell, I look sexy as hell. Da, da, da. But like when it was just a quote unquote friendship date, and it's supposed to be, you know, what he wants to normalize, it was just like doing shit I do with my boys. And on the opposite end, it'd be like doing whatever like she does with her girls that like you're down to do. Yeah, but then you come down. With, all right, so you do it with your boys. Like that comes into holding with like gender roles. We're not even talking about that. It's just like depends on what you do with your normal friend. You know, it doesn't even have to. You know, that's okay. I get that. Um, I was I got thrown off with that. Um, all right. So let me finish what he was saying. He said sex isn't always the answer. All right. So this is what I wanted to say. Like, what's the end game? What's like the goal of a date? You know, if it's like a if it's like a, a early date. Uh, I mean, the it's it's half personality, would be like marriage or relationship. But oh, not even that. The, not even that. Which you not even that from the date. Well, not even that. Not even that. I'm just saying, um, when you first meet someone, like a date, um, it, it has to be at least some percentage of physical and then personality. Um, so that's that's like a date. Like it's you're meeting someone. Um, it's about getting to know someone. I don't consider hanging out like the date in my mind. The connotation is like a, a early meeting, like a date for us is like, oh, I'm going on a date with her. Later on, like you're in like a relationship. So that if you're like good friends with someone, that's a relationship now. Maybe you can compare it to that because I maybe just the word date because I know date is used also for hey, let's set up a date and do something. But just in my just in my head, I'm thinking of a date as like an early part of meeting someone and like building a relationship so that, that's maybe i'm coming from a different angle on that one but i don't know yeah anything else with that because uh, trying yeah, to but yeah go on. i think like you come on there and you post something like that like you're trying to spark a debate and again it goes back to our thing where it's like oh people are trying to like normalize um coming on social media to to get something normalized quote unquote and it's like you know people are gonna disagree with you and you know people are gonna agree with you. Um, and it's funny because even the women I've seen on Twitter that like respond to it, it was like this is like weird as hell. Like, cause obviously, cause you, you know what too, Mike. Like they're looking at it at the 
other angle. It's like, all right, what if you, what if my boyfriend and his female friend were going on this date and taking these pictures and looking like a couple basically, but he's in a relationship with, with her or he's talking to her, but it's like, Oh, that's my homegirl. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of scary for them too. Like that's the consensus I was getting from women. Wait, you said homegirl. Like, so um, basically what I was trying to compare to in my mind is like your sister, you know, like we're absolutely the end game has nothing to do with it. It's that's the epitome of platonic, you know? So someone that there's like no chance, hundred percent, obviously. So you don't need to like point it out that like, uh, let's normalize this because like it's not going to happen anyway. So are you saying that you have to clarify that it's not going to happen? You, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, somewhat, somewhat. Yeah, yeah I'm just trying to uh, – what other responses did you get like uh, from the comments? Because you, you saw a lot of women were saying weird as hell because you have to bring in the fact that if she is in a relationship or if she is in a relationship, it's the same thing. It's like it feels – just uh in, in our like culturally like that's a date like it's like it's romantic it's romantic in in nature like taking in these photos it looks like you're going on a prom like your prom yeah or that, it, you know? yeah it just seems elegant like for elegant that. yeah yeah elegant for just like something not just like you hanging out with like your friend like i've had like female friends i were like strictly platonic and like the most we do is like go to like Applebee's or some shit like it was never like oh like you're gonna get dressed up I'm gonna get dressed up like if you're gonna do all that shit you might as well date that person and I guess like his defense is like oh it shouldn't be that you always like it shouldn't like those type of things shouldn't be the end game but I'm like who does that type of shit with friends male female whatever like if my homeboy like asked me like yo bro like wear your finest like suit we're going to freaking um Morton's I'm be like, all right, it's like, like you know, if you want to stay, we could just go to like freaking uh, Longhorn Steakhouse or Texas Roadhouse, like, and I could just you could just wear like your sweats, <laughs> like it it just seemed excessive, excessive. And then if a girl is like, yeah, I want to go to this thing and dress nice, and I'm sitting, I'd be sitting there like, what the fuck? I'm not your boyfriend. Yeah, I totally agree. I think most people are on the same page. But let me just say, um, I bring this up every so ever so often with these type of tweets where you know you're going to get some type of response. So then he comes out with a classic, now that I have your attention, and then he starts promoting himself because he has this little side hustle going on. So I'm like, that makes me wonder, like, so if he knew this was going to happen, let me just get in his head for a minute. So he he already knew he might have gotten this reaction. So let me just, I'm going to drop this in so I can get some um, some attention on this, yeah. so you're provoking us to get to get this. So you're in your, you already know that. That's what that's what the people was like accusing us of, like making a An- Andrew Yang talking about Andrew yeah. Yang. Remember that's yeah. what they was trying to say, like, oh, you guys are looking for attention. I'm like, no, I just fucking don't. I just fucking don't like Andrew Yang. Apparently, you apparently you love him so much that when you go on YouTube, like our video pop, or little us, our video <laughs> yeah. pops up. But you know that that ain't what we wanted to do. But Mike, maybe we should do that. Just start saying like some outlandish, um, polarizing um, shit, and then when it's at the end, it's like, yeah, like follow me. At, he's gonna pee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And shook me to Mooney. Here's our SoundCloud and YouTube links. 
Yeah, every once in a while, I've been trying every once in a while in the last few months, I'm like trying to like get into a whole like crossfire thing, but yeah. um, I don't yeah, mean, but no, I don't mean, uh, in these things, like I said, you kind of got to play like devil's advocate or pick a character in the story, and I'm just like, I'm thinking, like, I've already given him i've already given her i've already given the his girlfriend but what if you like her her boyfriend like mike what if like your girl like was on a friendship date and doing all of this shit wouldn't you be like what the fuck like this is Uh, like disrespectful yeah because even if it's not not even um physical all right so howard stern had a uh, staff member and his wife was um texting and like hanging out with a co-worker and they called it an emotional friend. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be like things that are in your head, like the emotional things, and like uh, talking about stuff. That's that that's fifty. That's that's totally with your like your significant other. You're supposed to be telling them everything. So like you're telling them this like stuff you're feeling, but you're not telling um, your partner. That's I, I that's kind of very similar to like in a physical uh, relationship because it's like deep. It's deep. Uh, so they call that the emotional friend. So if I'd be like, I, I completely, I have a hundred percent trust, but I don't trust this person that I don't know. Yeah, right. I trust I, my partner. I don't trust them. And then what people would say is like, oh, like you're being like possessive and like mm-hmm. you don't own her and blah blah blah. But to me, I think like if you're in a relationship with somebody, a romantic relationship, like there should be an element of respect. And like, if I look at something like that, I'm like, yo, like you and this, you and your friend, like, I understand y'all are just friends, but I find this shit like disrespectful because it's like, all right, my mom and you are friends on Facebook and she's seeing you with this whole other dude, but my sister's friends with, or my, and then she, she, she's like, Oh, like I'm sending out to my sister to, you know, she'll send out to my sister. Like you see what Shook's girlfriend is doing da, 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 and like, that creates a whole thing. So I think it's an element of like respect because it's the same thing. Like when people be like, Oh, like the, you know, I don't know if you've seen this Mike, where like girls or somebody would post like a picture of a girl wearing like something like scantily like clad. And it'll be like, would you let your girl go out in this? And you know, a lot, obviously people would be like, nah, like bro, like I can't have my girl like naked in the street like this blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, people's response, because obviously it'd be, you know, feminists or it'd be simps and they'll be like, you don't own her, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, nah, it ain't that. It's just that if me and you are in a relationship, I'm representative of you. You're representative of me. And if you're going out in the street dressing like a damn streetwalker, you know, that reflects badly on me, much in the same way like, would it work this way? If I wanted to walk outside, like, me and a girl is in a relationship, and I said, listen, like, next time we go to the beach, I'm wearing the Borat um, slingshot bikini shit. Like, obviously, my girl would be like, no, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're not wearing that. And I'm like, listen, you don't own me. You don't own me. I don't, I can't tell you what to wear. You can't tell me what to wear. But you'd be like, all right, bro, like, you're you're making me look bad by what you're wearing. Like I have enough, you should have enough respect for me to carry yourself a certain way. And that also goes hand in hand with this situation where it's like, yo, like if you're my girl, like you shouldn't be looking like you're on a damn on date night with like, you know, um, the freaking dude that has like the cubicle next to you at work. 
Well, the good thing with uh, my bat, my culture, we we have a ring, Clado ring. So, like, I guess it is possessive, but um, like I did it. Like, you you put it on, and if it's face, if the heart is facing you, or hurt you yourself, that means you're taken. And if it's on the wedding ring, it's like you're married. But like, uh, people look at that. But then if if you take it off and you have it facing the other way, it's like a sign where okay. But if you have that, can you just be like, uh, you can, can you still like friendly flirt and stuff like that? Like, is that, you know, that's why, cause my girlfriend, she laughs about it. Uh, seven years, by the way, this week, seven years. Uh, but uh, I'm not in a row, but it still counts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it still counts. Uh, oh, so <laughs> she, she, she makes jokes. Like, I'm like, I get hit on by like older women, like older, you know, I, I ever since I was younger, like I would flirt back with them. And she's like, make that money, get that tip money, like at work. <laughs> Like we're boundaries, but we know, we know the end game isn't me trying to look for someone or me trying to uh, sneak around or whatever. So you can have boundaries. Um, But again, you have to think about the fourth person because you could have me, my girl, and then the girl, my, my good female friend, but then you have to, if they're in a relationship or not, you know, it's it's appearances matter. Like outside appearances matter. Um, Yeah. So that's what I'm saying with that. Um, I think it's boundaries too. Because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna defend the guy now. Boundaries can be established, so I can def- I can defend that. I can defend the gentleman on this. Uh, but if you have to point out that that it's a, like it's a platonic date, um, that's a personal thing. Because you can just I, I go, going back to my initial re- uh, reaction to this when I saw you, you uh, retweet it. Oh, you mean hanging out? Like why do you have to normal? Like it's a hangout. Yeah, but then you then, go deeper where it has like the whole social thing about dating and all that. Yeah. I mean, but, so, you, so, so it's like a girl's, a girl's gay best friend, gay, girl's gay best friend. That, that was always like a cliche, right? Oh, I love hanging out. Cause it's everything but the sex. You know, we can go shopping and stuff. Like that was always a cliche that they always say. So is that like kind of a, like an equivalent to it? Cause there's, there's no like sexual. No, I don't, I don't think so. Because he's trying to establish us. Like you could be like a street man and she could be a street woman, um, and y'all could hang out and you know, romance or sexual um feelings don't have to be present. And again, like to each his own. Like I think again, going back to Ruta Hosha is like he tried to say to normalize it. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, if that's what you if that's what you and homegirl mm-hmm. um if, if y'all are okay and y'all are fine with that and, you know, he, you're single and she's single and y'all just hang out as friends and I see you guys' things, that's awesome. Um, if she's in a relationship and her man is, like, cool with it, then sure. If he's in a relationship, her girl, his girl is cool with it, sure. If both of them are in a relationship and their significant others are cool with it, then sure. That's for y'all. Again, what's the thing I always say on this shit? To each their own i'm just like i'm just letting you know what ain't kosher for me and apparently it wasn't kosher for a lot of people and i think like this whole his whole defense is like oh y'all don't respect women um y'all you know y'all see them as objects and you let and your timeline know how you act around um women or whatever like we work with people like i've been attracted to and i've i've been very I ain't try to like try to push up on them or flirt with them or nothing. Like I just went to work because 
that's work. And I've had female friends where they was like attractive and like, I never tried to push up on them. But at the same time, like I wouldn't do this friendship date type of thing. Like if I'm going to do that type of thing, then we might as well be in a relationship. That's what I was saying before, Mike, where I'm like, listen, you know, if my, if that was her idea, I would have just been like, yo, like, nah, cause like it, 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 it's like bad optics. Because what is the waiter going to come to the table? First year, he's going to say, oh, you guys make such a cute couple. Blah, 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 blah. Or the people around you, oh, you guys, how long you guys been together? You know what I'm saying? Whereas, like, if you go to, like, Buffalo Wild Wings or Applebee's, and y'all are just on, like, you know, she's wearing a hoodie and jeans, and you're wearing, like, sweats. It's just like, all right, you just look like two people who are hanging out. Or if you're wearing, like, work clothes, it's like, oh, all right, then they must have, like, it's supposed to be like the hangout after work. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need an explanation. It's like one of them things where you're drawing attention to yourself, like any way you put it. And it's happened off for someone who's in a long, long relationship. Most, not even an anniversary, you're going to get dressed up anymore. Almost at this point, you go to Buffalo Wild Wings wearing sweatpants anyway. So you are hanging out with, but at the end of the day, you might have sex. You might. You know, anyway, but yeah, I'm just kidding him around. But um, I'm saying, what's he said? Sing, okay, he's like, y'all aren't single by choice. I'm single by choice. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah. Final thoughts, Mike. Okay. Um, even though it was sad to talk about, uh, it was a great conversation we had about DMX, uh, another great artist. Um, you know, we have the material. We don't know them personally. But we have like the work they put out. We will always have that, and it will change with time. Like the next generation will hear it too, um, which is always the thing. You know, with me, um, with Prince, they're re-releasing. Oh, they're releasing a brand new material that hasn't been commercially sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played it live ten years ago at one of the shows I went to, but now they're selling it. So I'm like, I can still hear. I can still hear, and as a new message that for a new generation, because it's been ten years. Uh, and people listen to it now who never really listened to him back then. They're saying, oh, my God, he's speaking about 2021. He's like, and this is 2010. It's like things never really change, but how you interpret it generationally will change. And I think DMX is going to follow suit with that. Uh, it was great to talk to you about your uh, your uh, vaccination uh, experience. Um, I've just been kind of busy. I, I, I would have had it by now, but things have just been up in the air recently. So um, someone I know, all my family. My buddy got it, so um, I'm ready to get mine. I'll give my take on it. It should, I should, I, I don't fear like am I like I just haven't had time to sign up for it, which I know is selfish on my end. Uh, the tweet, I was all over the place with the uh, the normalizing a uh, date with a you know same sex, uh, oh, no, opposite sex um, uh, date. I was all over the place with that because. Uh, I was just trying to take different uh, different viewpoints on it, but on the bottom line, I would feel weird if my girlfriend went out with a, a guy. Um, I think that's just like that's like my instinct is to like you can't fight in your instincts. I just uh, that's with that. Uh, I want to say that um, uh, this was a good episode. This was a good episode. Uh, it was usually I have like a theme that I always link the three uh, or two or three topics. This, these were different, uh, which I think it was a nice uh, change of pace. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Shug, uh, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, DMX, man, that was 
I'm, 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 I really was like truly hoping uh, he got a third chance of life because people forgot like he at one point he did actually flatline for about like four to five minutes and then came back and um you know I thought he would bounce back from this too um and it's just unfortunate that he passed away but the way he lived life and just the example that he set um you know if you believe in heaven or hell um and just the fact that what you do on earth sends you to one place or other like i think dmx if you literally looked at the life he lived and the influence and the example um he set um for, for people to follow he's one person like of like a handful of people i could look at who passed away and i'm like yeah he's definitely up there he's I, I definitely think he made it to heaven because he, he he was a person who was very very honest and transparent and i was just glad to to give him his peace um here on the show now that we got this outlet you know a little further than just tweeting r.i.p um dmx and a matter of fact when i was talking about him this whole last week um i didn't even use dmx i was just like Earl Simmons because he, he he introduced us to Earl Simmons um through DMX and I just look at the overall arc of his life and his reach in life as just Earl Simmons reaching people and he you know like me and like Mike detail like he, he came really from like rough beginnings from a household where he wasn't loved and I know a lot of people try to use that same example as a reason to go on and hurt other people like oh i wasn't you know i grew up abused so i'm not going to be abusive and he he took that and i went like a whole nother avenue and influential avenue with it and it just shows how loved he was not only in the new york area but all around the world uh, so r.i.p earl simmons otherwise known as dmx um a vaccination story I just, you know, thought about it after I got the shot on Monday. I was like, all right, let me write down what I went through instead of just like in the intro, just being like, oh, I got my vaccination shot. I had a fever. And then like the rest of the week is, you know, I was like, let me go into full detail and tell you what went through so that if people were on the fence or had some kind of anxiety about taking a shot, they could be like, oh, all right, well, that's what you could expect. Like I say, I had it. My mom had it. She didn't have no kind of effects. When my stepdad, he got his shot. Um, he didn't have any effects. And we, me and her took the Johnson & Johnson. He took the Pfizer. So that's two different vaccines. Um, so it's different for everybody. And I'm just letting you know that, like, you know, what could possibly happen has been pretty, like, mild for me. And if you end up taking it and things are you know a little bit too much for you and you feel like you need to go to like you know your physician or the emergency room then do that but by all indications this vaccination is something that's helpful um for us to finally get to that light at the end of the tunnel with this um pandemic um and then the friendship date again, like this normal, like my my the issue I took from it was a normalized 
part of it. Like, if you want to do that shit, like, do that, bro. Like, you know, uh, like, no, nobody says, like, normalize, like, putting syrup on your bacon. Like, that's what I like. If you don't like it, all right, that's who, that's, that's your, your preference. Um, but I think when you get into a zone where you're like, oh, you don't have no respect for women because you can't do this, you know, I'm mature enough or toxic masculinity or any of them like buzzwords. Um, that's when I gotta like look at you, like, bro, like you clearly came here trying to like pick a fight. Like, if you want to do this shit that I classify as simp shit and call it being a man, then that's cool for you and all those that agree with you. Um, but I just feel like it's just not something for me. I think Mike expressed that ain't something for him and to each his own. Um, that's my final thoughts. Uh, as far as YouTube, been kind of slow week as far as like producing stuff. So it's not going to be as much stuff popping up on there and then you know the coming days i don't know if mike has anything um upcoming yeah we got some stuff um we're gonna do a revamp on our youtube it's gonna be uh more consistent um starting with uh, everything from last week if you guys those very visual which i love i love the visual uh the episodes where we we talk about a lot of information and sometimes you don't really get a chance to to because if you're not aware of it, then you don't know what we're talking about. So and if we have the visuals, it's more of an engaging experience. So we could get more of that. Um, we put we have the MLB thing up there. Baseball's rocking and rolling. Um, you can always go back and check out the black seats because it's not it has nothing to do with like this like a uh, recent things. Show had a lot of great things to talk about with like the Negro leagues and everything. Uh, very Ken Burns style, uh, which is you know always great. Um, uh, I do a shout out. Okay, so um, I usually work with these guys. We, we do a wrestling podcast, and usually it's for charity. This one was just for fun. Uh, if you check out uh, uh, Melee Media on YouTube, uh, I drop. I represented for Sugar the Mooney. Uh, expect more things with me doing with them, and um, that's it for that. Um, Oh, I do. I do. Uh, since last week, I want to say one thing, and I think I've really uh, I support. Uh, it, it's kind of was a good experience so far. Since the last episode, uh, me and my girl, we are taking care of a puppy, and it's been such a great experience. Uh, I never used to have pets of my own, really, um, but it's good. It's just a. It's like it feels good, like knowing that oh, I got to take care of someone, and it's it's I like it, and so it's been a fun week uh, for me, and. Uh, that's something that I'm happy about. Um, yeah. Any, any shout outs for you? Oh yeah. Uh, what about the iTunes? People forget that we're on uh, Apple iTunes and Shug, you discover that people are watching. Yeah. Listening. A, a, a lot of people that listen through the iTunes, they were really into and very supportive and had positive things to say when we were um, talking about the bachelor. Uh, so we really reached, you know, crossover with that community like I'm not too versed in how to look at like the numbers on iTunes. It's very confusing how iTunes do it, does it. So I can't see who, how many people are thinking, you know, watching and stuff like that. But we've gotten pretty much all like positive reviews on iTunes. So if you're on Apple, like iTunes is probably like the best. 
if you own an iPhone, Apple is probably like the best um, avenue to listen to this because if you subscribe to us, you will get um, a notification that a new episode is up. Um, when you open it and there's a new episode, like the new episode, like downloads to your phone. So like even when you don't have phone service or Wi-Fi, you'd be able to listen to the whole episode. Um, but, you know, of course, where whatever you're listening on, whatever you're listening to this on, there's also Spotify, Google, Apple, SoundCloud, there's so many different places to, to listen. And if you, like Mike said, if you just want to watch certain segments, like if you missed last week, we had the whole discussion, um, which kind of was kind of impromptu about autism awareness because April that we're in, it's autism awareness month. Um, it's a really good listen. We talk about our experiences um, with the um, community. And Mike just put up the MLB to show um, out the, the outtake that we did a, a while back where I was discussing why I won't be buying MLB the show. So if you're a fan of video games and baseball and you're a fan of MLB the show, it's a really interesting watch. Um, Mike did a lot of great stuff with it visually. Um, so check that out. Uh, Sugar Reviews of Brews, I haven't been able to promote them because unfortunately I've been uploading them a lot more than I've been able to keep up and, and pump them out. So I might slow down to like maybe one sugar reviews of brews for a week. Um, if you haven't seen those, they're very short, like not even like 10 minutes, sometimes not even like five minutes. I just crack open a beer. You may or may not heard of give my, um, review on it. Um, some of them taste really good. Some of them taste okay. I haven't really tasted one hot. I'm like, yo, like, don't even bother buying this yet. Um, I think even something like that, I wouldn't even like post. But I like to to promote the beers. But Mike, yeah, I got I got good feedback on a, a few of them, especially of course because I have the whole he's gonna puke. People uh, DM me about like, oh, I hate IPAs, and so I go, yeah, well, I I tried it. I had to, you know, they're right here. I had one of them. Yeah. Uh, I never gave my review on it. I thought it was very basic. I thought it was a very, very uh, typical IPA. But people are, you know, they, 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 I do get responses uh, from our show, which is great yeah. uh, on Instagram. Yeah. And IPAs are my preference. So that's why it's like heavily IPAs. Oh, me too. Yeah. I've, you know, I've, you know, it, it's, it's a few non IPA beers that are in there. So just give it a shot. And I, because I, I'm not part of it, uh, check out the Voodoo Ranger. That's the last one I had. I'm off IPAs for a while, but or any beer or anything like that for a while. But Voodoo Ranger, right? That's one of them, right? That was yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. I recommend that one for people yeah. that I want to check it out. Yeah. So this has been episode 47. And stay tuned. We ain't going anywhere. Next week, episode 48 of Shug Me the Mooney. Shook me the moony, shook me the moony.